Once upon a time, there was a village of wooden people. They were called the Weemicks. Each Weemick was different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats. Others wore coats. But all lived in the same village. All of the wooden people were created and carved by the hands of the same woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking the village. Eli would often gaze out his window to see what sort of activities his creations were up to. Unfortunately, he was often saddened by what he saw. You see, all day, every day, the Weemicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Weemick had a pouch. Each pouch contained some golden star stickers and some gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent all their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones with fine paint, the ones with great strength, and the talented Weemicks got stars. While the rough, wooded, clumsy Weemicks with chipped paint and little talent got dots. Oh, Valeria, you look absolutely stunning today. Is that a new Christmas dress? Why, yes, it is, Angelo. And thank you for noticing. You look quite handsome as well. Oh, why, thank you. Oh, new Christmas ornaments this year. I'm very impressed. Look, everyone, at this amazing display of Christmas beauty. Oh, I love it. Beautiful work. Oh, my. That is not very beautiful at all. Oh, no. That is oh. quite that is unattractive. Quite horrid. Oh, terrible work. Terrible. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You cannot be serious. You're not planning on giving that to someone, are you? This ribbon doesn't even match. This, uh, this is completely worthless and poorly wrapped. <laughs> you are an artist with your hands. Look at that bow. Oh. I must commend you on your presence. That is beautiful work. I love come, it. Come, come, children. Gather around. Take your places. Oh. All right, they're coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to bring you Christmas cheer, the Weemick School Choir has prepared for you a beautiful song. Ready, children? Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus fell asleep on the hay. The cattle 
told you before, you do not belong in a choir of beautiful voices. No. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was horrible. Awful. I think my ears are bleeding. Oh. Uh, well, children, come along. As soon as we get back to class, you're all getting stars. Good job. Good job. Good job. Wonderful oh. job, children. Some Weemeeks have stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. Others, though, could do little. They only got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to walk proud, but he would always fall. And others would gather around and give him dots. He would try so many ways to gain favor of the other Weemicks. Little Weemick, what sad attempt at getting a star have you come up with now? Cookies! I made cookies for everybody! These do not look the least bit appetizing. Mm. Oh, 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 they do not taste appetizing either. You call that a... I can't do anything right. Why do I even bother coming outside? Oh, beats me. I got this one because I said something stupid. Well, you had it coming. And I got this one because I forgot my lunch. Well, how does someone your size forget your lunch? And this one I got because my pants are too short. Well, go and buy some new pants already. And hey, what was that one for? Well, you had so many dots already, you obviously deserved more. She's got a good point. Cookies! Oh. Oh, come with me, come with me. Oh, now you see this, this is a talent we make. She knows how to make cookies. Now you see this, th this is a cookie, okay? That's charcoal, okay? You see, this is a beautiful and talented Weemick, okay? And you, you're a horrible Weemick, okay? You should just go on and be with the others who are more like you. Yeah, maybe they're right. I can't do anything right. I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't even trip without chipping my paint. But, but still, who are they to decide whether or not I'm a good enough Weemick? You don't know. Oh 
Look at me. I fail at everything I do. Why are you so hard on yourself? Because they are. And who is they? Oh, wow. Wow, you, you are a beautiful weemic. I mean, I mean, look at you. You're, you're completely free of dots. You must be worthy of a star. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> This has never happened before. Well, well. A Weemick with no stars. You must be a loser, just like him. Hmm. Oh. Try that again. <laughs> Clearly, you are not worth our time at all. Hmm. Wait, wait. How did you do that? Do what? How did you keep the stars and dots from sticking on you? I mean, wait. In fact, you don't have any stars or dots. You are the first Weemick I have ever seen who doesn't have a single star or dot. I want to be just like you. How do you do it? That's easy. I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I go and I sit with him up in his shop. Why? You mean, you don't remember, Eli? No, and should I? And how exactly does sitting some wood shop keep the stars and dots from sticking on you? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. No, no, I'm in no shape to see anybody. Plus, no one ever wants me around. That is not true, Punchinello. Trust me. Go find out. Do you think he really wants to see me? See me with all these dots? Yes, Punchinello, I do want to see you. Please, come. I, I'm afraid to go alone. Then I will go with you. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar Although the way is tricking us along Just know you're not 
Change my mind. I don't want to do this. Punchinello? <laughs> Punchinello, how wonderful to see you. Come here and let me take a look at you. You, you know my name. <laughs> well, of course I do. I made you. Now, come here. Let me have a look. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. You have been given a lot of marks. I'm sorry, Eli. I really did try. I did. Oh, son, you don't need to defend yourself to me. I don't care what the other Weemix think. You don't? No, and neither should you. Who are they to hand out stars or dots to anyone? Punchinello, they are all Weemix just like you. It doesn't matter what they think. <laughs> it only matters what I think. And I think you're pretty special. Me? Special? Yeah, I can't do anything special. I can't jump high. I can't sing or dance. I can't even walk without tripping and chipping my paint. Why do I matter to you? You are mine. 
That's why you matter. Come here. Have a seat. Every day I have longed for you to come here and visit me. The the girl with no stars or dots, she sent me. (laughs) I know. She told me all about you. But, But how does she keep the stars and dots from sticking to her? Well, she's decided that what I think is more important than what they think. Stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. But the more you trust my love for you, the less you care about their stickers. I I don't understand. Look, you have a lot of marks. I know, I'm sorry. Because when you believe and accept what the others think about you, you forget how much I love you. And that I made you exactly the way you are. Every day I stand up here looking out over the village, watching the children I love hurt and judge each other. It causes me such pain. Punchinello, I want you to see how much I care for you and forget what the other Weemicks say. Instead, I want you to know how special you are because I made you. <laughs> and I don't make mistakes. How, how did you do that? If this is true, I mean, just imagine how different life could be. It will be, I promise. Really? Really. Will you tell me more? I would love to.
are the dots not sticking to you? It's because I was told that I am special, just like you. One of the reasons why I love that story so much is because it reminds us that we always matter to the one who matters most, to the Father. And that with him, it's never about dots and stickers. Never. He knows your name, and he loves you. He loves you. When I was a kid growing up, between the ages of five and about 16, I lived in six different states, went to eight different schools, uh, lived in, I don't know, 10 or 11 different houses. And if you're a military kid, military brat, you've experienced that and probably more. But one of the great challenges you face when you're in that environment, constantly having to, to go someplace new and prove yourself all over again, is that there's a lot of insecurity. And you're striving to get acceptance and to, to be welcomed, and you're new and you feel uncomfortable. For me, it, it always was tough because I, I was too young, too small, too, you know, whatever, too odd, and I never quite fit. And I was always have to prove myself again and again. First day of school was always really hard on me. My last name is Bubna. And that really is my last name. And I would go, and I dreaded the first day in, in a new school and because the teacher would always call roll, and they get to my name, Kurt. There would be this pregnant pause, boomna, and the kids would giggle throughout the classroom. And I worked really hard because I felt so insecure to earn a lot of stars. But usually I just got a lot of dots. We live in a world that hands out stars to some and dots to many. We tend to value the rich and the famous. We tend to value people who uh, make us happy. We tend to value people, maybe they're just like us. But if you're a plain Jane or an average Joe, yeah, you know, plain Jane that works at Walmart or Fred Meyer, nothing special. Or an average Joe that drives a truck, we just go, well, you know, everybody needs to eat and we appreciate truck drivers, but nobody's probably going to ever ask for your autograph. Why? Because you're no one really special in our culture. In our culture, we give stars to the winners. To the people who win The Voice, American Idol, we give stars to those that are awesome. But if you're a single mom, working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, and maybe living in subsidized housing, we might tolerate you, but nobody's going to dream about being you. But what if? What if we've got it all wrong? <laughs> what if we've got it all messed up? What if we see, were to see people the way that God sees them and not just the way that the world tends to look at them? What if we value people the way that God values them? What if we ached and agonized over the loss of all children throughout the world and not just those in our own backyard? I hate what happened this last week in uh, Newtown, Connecticut. It breaks my heart, and I know it breaks your heart as well. I weep for the parents and for their loss. It's horrible. And the senseless loss of life is tragic no matter where it happens. But did you know that according to UNICEF, that 22,000 children die every day? 22,000 every day. From things, many of them from curable diseases, or from starvation, or from poor water, or from AIDS. 22,000 every day. That's 900 an hour. That's 15 every minute that are lost. I want to suggest to you that they all are important. They, they are incredibly valuable to God. God values all children everywhere, and all life is precious to him. But again, we tend to live in a world where we give our focus 
to those that are like us. And we hand out stars to some and dots to many. But thankfully that is not the way God works, not at all. All of us matter to him. Every one of us matter to the Father. It doesn't matter your size, your sex, your shape, your talents or lack thereof. It doesn't matter your color. None of that matters to God. To him, we are all priceless. To him, we all matter. One of my favorite stories is about a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a Christian sociologist, and he was traveling from the East Coast to Hawaii to speak at a conference. He's going to Honolulu. And if you've traveled much, you know sometimes the struggle is jet lag. And especially the older you get and the further you go. And, and it was like, you know, for him, six hours time difference. So he woke up one day and was actually trying to sleep and woke up at 3.30 in the morning because to him, his body was saying it was 9.30 in the morning. And he was hungry. So he decided he was going to go out and try and find some place to eat. And he's walking the streets of Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning trying to find anywhere that he could grab a bite. Found this greasy spoon, this hole-in-the-wall cafe, and uh, walked in and sat down on the counter and ordered a cup of coffee and a donut. And a few minutes after he was there, as he tells the story, eight, nine, ten uh, prostitutes came in. And he described them as loud, boisterous, fairly uncouth, and needless to say, he was very uncomfortable. Small cafe, he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and a donut, and eight, nine, ten uh, ladies of the night walk in, and they are talking, and he couldn't help but overhear what was going on because they were quite loud. And one of them said to a friend, and her name was Agnes, Agnes said, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. And the couple of ladies that were near said, so what? You know, big deal. What do you want us to do, throw your birthday party? And you could just see Agnes wilt. She felt so bad and because to her, it was no big deal that those you know, people didn't think it was special, that she wasn't special. But to her, it was hard for her. Well, the ladies left, and uh, Tony got this idea. <laughs> and he leaned across the counter to Harry, the owner of this cafe, this greasy spoon. He said, Harry, I got this idea. So what do you say you and I throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow night? Do, do those ladies come in every day? Oh, yeah, every night. Is Agnes with them? All? Oh, yeah, Agnes is a regular. What do you say we throw a birthday party for her, a surprise birthday party? Harry loved the idea. So Tony said, well, I'll get the decorations and the cake. And Harry said, nope, I'll do the cake. You, you just get the decorations. Show up here tomorrow morning about 2.30. We'll decorate the place, and we'll throw a surprise birthday party for Agnes. So the next day, they, sure enough, 2.30, Tony shows up. They get the place decorated, and Harry's got the cake ready. And apparently the word got out because every prostitute in Honolulu was in that cafe waiting for the surprise birthday party for Agnes. Well, sure enough, uh, she comes walking in and with a couple of friends, and everybody yells, surprise, happy birthday, Agnes. And they start to sing happy birthday to her. And she just, she's wrecked. She's an emotional wreck. She could not believe what was happening to her. Well, they had the party, and they celebrated, and they were done. And Tony wasn't really sure what to do. So he said, well, what do you say we pray? <laughs> it's, okay. So, you know, Tony just launches into this prayer. He's thanking God for Agnes and praying that God would bless her. And that God would show her how special he is, she is to him. And, and just prays for her and says amen. And kind of an odd, awkward moment. And the ladies leave. And Harry, the cafe owner, points his finger, leans across the counter and points his finger at, at Tony and says, Hey, you didn't tell me you were a Christian. What kind of church do you go to? And Tony says, in just one of those moments where you know just the right thing to say, he looked at Harry and said, A church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. 
I love the story because it says that we all matter to God. In a world that tends to value people based on what they can do or not do, on the haves and the have-nots, the acceptable and the unacceptable, God says, I value all life, everyone, because they're special to me. You know, you may have seen the billboards around town that said that Jesus is the reason for the season. And yeah, I don't know, it's been around for a while, quite a few years, actually. Christians, churches started putting those billboards up and those bus banners out that say, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I know why they do that. I get it. Uh, it's in some way a, kind of a pushback on the commercialism and the materialism and the fact that too many in our culture have forgotten that Christmas really is about Christ and, and they want to remind people, that. that's good, I get that. But it struck me this season. I saw one of the billboards and it hit me. In fact, it hit me really hard. Just as true as Jesus is the reason for the season, guess what? You and I, we are the reason for the season as well. He came for us. He came for you. He came because of love. Perhaps the best known verse in the entire world and certainly I think one that we should land on at Christmas is found in John 3, John 3, 16. Where John wrote these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal, everlasting life. John said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God sent his Son to bring life to our death, to bring hope to our despair. And he came because of love. He came because you and I matter to him. When you are in a conditional relationship based on your performance, there's not a lot of joy in that kind of relationship. We've all experienced that. There's not a lot of acceptance. There's not a lot of, of uh, security. In fact, you feel anxious and, and very insecure. There's not a lot of peace when you feel like you have to earn someone's love. And many of us, even as adults, we've carried that need to, to, be, to, to be accepted, to have more stars than dots, well into adulthood. Now, we hide it better than kids do, but we still struggle. We still need the acceptance of others. And most of us, me included, we don't handle rejection very well. And so we do our best to be our best, to look our best, to do our very best because we want to be loved and accepted. Maybe you're hosting Christmas meal at your house tomorrow, and your biggest worry right now is that your mother-in-law is not going to like what you cook. Conditional love is, a, is a, perhaps the problem there. Maybe last night you laid in, you know, in bed to go to sleep and you start thinking about the gift that you got for that special guy or gal in your life and you start to worry. What if it's the wrong size? What if it's not the right color? What if they don't like it? What if they already have that? And you stress out about something it's as silly as a gift. Maybe tonight or tomorrow you have to do... Uh, an exchange with your ex and your kids are going from one home to another. And just the fact that you've got to face that guy or that gal that has caused so much pain and the pain of rejection is still there in your heart and it hurts and you're worried. Dots are painful. Dots are hard. Dots are distressing. But when you know you're loved, loved no matter what, loved by the Father, that love changes us. It changes everything. And how much does God love you and me? Well, Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and he said, I love you this much, enough that I will die. I will die for you. You know this, but Jesus didn't stay in a manger. He didn't stay in a crib. I've got like a dozen nativity scenes at my house. We keep getting them every year and, and people bring them and we've collected some and, 
And, and they're great. I love them. But you know that Jesus is not in the, the, the manger anymore. He's not in the crib. In fact, he went to the cross to die for you and me. And he did so because you and I are worth everything to him more than his own life. One of the reasons why I love the Christmas story is that it demonstrates to you and me that we are priceless. We are worth everything to God and that he loves us. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, people like me and you with lots of dots. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And I love verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were far from God, before we ever earned any stars, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means before you and I ever did anything right, God loved us. He loves you. The message of Christmas, the message of Christmas, please don't miss this, is that God loves you. God values you, that God sent his son because he wants to be in relationship with you. And Christmas is God's gift to us. It's his gift to you. He came to earth to live as a human being. And he came for our benefit. And he came to live with us and to die for us. He came because we matter to him. Jesus said, I came in love so that you would know me and know the love that I have for you and know the value that you have to me. A few Christmases ago, I got a Christmas card after one of the services. It's one of those Christmas Eves where we did like five services in one day. And after the fourth service, I was brain dead. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure where I was. And, and somebody said, hey, Merry Christmas, Pastor Gary. Here's a card. And I said, thanks. And I took it to my office. And for some reason, I stuck it in a drawer. Now, everybody has the drawer. It's the drawer that's not organized. It's a mess. You just got to throw stuff in there because you want to look organized on the outside. Yeah, you're laughing because you know. I put it in that drawer, and I thought, oh, I'll just pull it out before I go home. Well, to be honest with you, I forgot. And in fact, I forgot for a long time. Weeks went by. And I opened that drawer, and sure enough, there's this bright red envelope, and it dawned on me, oh, my goodness, I got that at Christmas, and I forgot it. So I opened it up, and inside it was this amazing, really cool gift certificate. I mean, it was awesome. First thing I did was look to make sure it hadn't expired. <laughs> but, but I was like, wow, this is awesome. But here's what struck me, and I kid you not, it's like, I, it just hit me. At that moment, I realized that gift sitting in my drawer was worthless to me. It was of great value and truth, but an unopened gift is a wasted gift. My point is that God is a wonderful gift for you and a priceless gift. Nothing else you could ever receive will ever compare to the gift that he's offered to you and me. It is the gift of his love, his mercy, his grace. It is the gift of his life. It is the gift of his forgiveness. And it's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a gift given to you because you matter to him. The question is, the issue is, what are you going to do with that gift? Are you going to just set it aside, stick it in a drawer? Are you going to ignore it, forget it, or will you accept it and embrace that gift? What will you do with this gift for you? In Luke chapter 2, the angel announced to the shepherds, Unto you a Savior is born, he is Christ the Lord. And I love the first couple of words in that proclamation from the angel. Unto you. He came for you. He came for you and me. Unto you a Savior is born. 
Jesus came for us. He came because we matter. He came because we really are special to him. He came because you are special. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, I, I want to thank you again. And I will never tire of thanking you for the gift of your son, Jesus. That you saw us in our desperation and in our need and in our darkness. And you sent the Savior, the one that we needed to bring us back to you, to give us the gift that we need of your mercy and grace and your forgiveness. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts right now to receive that gift from you, to embrace that gift that you offer to us so freely. In fact, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe here tonight and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower and you know and you're knower. You know that that's what you want, that's what you need and you're ready to say yes to God. And it's really, it's as, as simple as ABC. A, admit that you need a Savior. B, believe in Him. Believe that He came, that He lives for you and C, commit your life to Him. Admit you need Him. Believe in Him. Commit your life to Him. And if you're ready to do that tonight, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. What's important is not just my words, but the, the attitude of your heart, your desire right now. If you want this, you want Jesus, if you want that gift, just make my prayer your prayer right now. Make my words your words. Father, forgive me. I need you. I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you for what he did on that cross for me. And tonight, I believe. I believe in your love. I believe that I'm valuable to you. I believe that you came for me. I believe that you live for me. And right now, I commit my life to you. I surrender my all. And this Christmas 2012, this is the beginning of my journey as a Christ follower with you into eternity. Now, if that's your heart, your desire, would you just in your own way say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And the Bible says the instant you say yes to him, you become his child forever. You enter from darkness into light. That's what the Bible says happens as you believe. To those who believe in his name, he gives the right, the privilege to be called children of God. Lord, for those making that decision now, bless them. Show them what it means. And show all of us how valuable we are to you. So that we'll leave here different and changed and encouraged by you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm asking you to remain seated for this next part of our service. One of the best known and traditional Christmas hymns is Silent Night. And it's our tradition here to finish with candle lighting. You might want to grab that candle you've got. I'm going to ask you to remain seated as we light these candles so that you don't light the person's hair in front of you on fire. That would be bad. So if you just remain seated during this song, and uh, what will happen is the drama team is going to come down, and they're going to light the candles on the end of the aisle. And then you'll just turn and light the candle next to you. And I want you to understand why we do this. Listen, this is why we do this. Because we do this to remind ourselves of two things. One is that Jesus came as the light of the world. He came in the midst of our darkness. It's dark in this room right now. And our world's a dark and horrible place, in many ways broken. And Jesus came as light into our darkness to, to bring us hope. And we light these candles. We turn and light the candles of the person next to us to remind us that as he is the light, we are to be lights in the midst of our darkness as well. So as these candles are being lit, let's sing a song together with me. Silent night, holy night.